Welcome to His Hands, His Feet podcast. I'm your host, Kenneth Camp. Well, I really thought that I would uh, be getting back to this much sooner than I have this summer, but, you know, summer definitely slows down around here for most of us, and it has for us. But also, I've had some technical issues with my laptop and even had a couple of uh, audio files got corrupted and lost, sadly. A great interview with some missionary friends of mine that I'm hoping we will get to re-record real soon and I can get that out to you. But I am excited about sharing this episode with you. It's the next installment of my Dad to Dad series, and it is with a friend of mine named Danny Cook, who is a, along with his wife, pastor here in the Round Rock, Texas area, which is close to where I live. And we got together and sat down and just shared with each other and talked about what it's like to be a, a father of, of foster children and adopted children. And I really appreciate how Danny shares um, with authenticity and very vulnerable and even raw at times. And I think you're going to appreciate that too. And just give you a taste of some of the interview. We're going to talk a little bit about how his story begins really specifically out of obedience rather than out of a desire. And Sometimes that's what we need to do, but what, when, when we do that, I love how he said this, it gives us a front row seat to watch life transformation, and that is so, so true. And it doesn't matter, really, that's true whether we respond out of obedience or out of a desire or passion for what we're responding to. We always get to see that happen, the life transformation. But what you're going to find out is maybe some ways um, that you can get motivation to really pour into the, your children that you're fostering or have adopted. We're also going to hear some about some uh, turning points in Danny's life that happened. You know, they have been fostering and have adopted one child through foster care, but they have adopt, uh, fostered about 20 children over the last six or seven years. And there's de- there was definitely a turning point or two turning points that Danny shares about a couple of years ago. And so we're going to get into that some. And then we also, you know, again, this is a dad-to-dad episode where we really want to talk to men specifically. And so we're going to do that. One of the things that Danny and Rachel does is they have a ministry called Unshaken, and that is where they meet with men and women. Rachel will meet with uh, women on a regular basis, and then Danny with, with the guys who are foster or adoptive parents. Uh, for encouragement and equipping and and so on. And so we're going to just talk about it. I asked Andy some questions about, um, you know, the challenges that men typically have, especially when we step into this kind of a journey of being a, a foster or an adoptive father. And it's interesting that um, um, a lot of times we as men, we just don't uh, want to share with others any kind of struggle that we're having. And that is so true when we're in this journey, but we do need to um, lean on each other for encouragement and equipping and, and things like that. So he talks a little bit about, you know, the buttons that will get pushed, um, how we don't like to talk about our fears, how sometimes you have to learn to love a child, all these kind of things. And so I'm looking forward to sharing that with you as we join this this interview with Danny Cook. Well, Danny, it's, it's good to, to be sitting here with you. I love this house. We were talking first came in. So we're sitting in this, I don't know, what's the age of this house, do you know? Oh, it's a turn-of-the-century home. So, you know, yeah. I, I don't know the exact age, but it's over 100 years. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. So we're in Round Rock, Texas, and just right across the street from where the uh, Round Rock Express play. Mm-hmm. If you're from Central Texas, that's a triple-A ball, ball team um, that's here it's a beautiful area. So I walk into this house, and it's just 
really do feel like you step back in history. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. But thanks for inviting me over here. You bet. Sit down with you as foster and adoptive dads, and, and um, we're going to be kind of touching on a lot of things, yeah. but specifically, uh, this is part of the series, Dad to Dad. We'll be talking to dads specifically here in just a moment. Right. But we want to give you a chance to um, just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what your role is here and a little bit about your family, if you don't mind. Sure, I don't mind at all. Um, my name is Danny Cook, and uh, uh, I'll start with my family, uh, as they are the most important. Uh, I'm married to Rachel, uh, my wife of 17 years. We have three biological uh, kiddos, Elizabeth, Hannah, and Emma, uh, who are 14 and 11 and 11, respectively there, so twins. And then we have a foster, or excuse me, an adoptive son, uh, Samuel, and he recently turned seven. And then we have um, two foster sons right now, Isaiah and Abraham, who are 10 and 3. Wow. And, uh, and so that completes our home. Uh, so, yeah, so my wife and I and six kiddos right now. Uh, I get the privilege of pastoring Legacy Church right here in Round Rock. And uh, pastored that church for seven years now. And uh, we have a location here in Round Rock. We also have a location in Thrall, uh, which is about 20 miles east of here. Okay. And uh, and so we uh, we enjoy worshiping here, and uh, it's been a, it's been a good run. We started the church seven years ago, and so we're grateful to get to do. I get the privilege of, of pastoring this wonderful group of people. So you're obviously busy. I mean, pastoring a church, mm-hmm. you have lots of responsibilities. And how old are the two foster boys? So they are ten and three. three. Ten and three. Yep, ten and three. And uh, how long have they been with you? Been with us. Um, Abraham's been with us just over a year, and Isaiah for somewhere around um, eight months now, ish, okay. eight or nine months. Are they related? At they all? are. Uh, yeah, they're brothers, yeah. and uh, and so um, yeah, they we, we got them at two different times. Sure, uh, obviously. So, you know, I've had several foster. Children. We have. We at this point right now, we've had twenty kids that have come through our home mm-hmm. uh, over the last um, six years, I believe it is. Uh, that we've been fostering, and so yeah, we've gotten to, to care for for twenty uh, through the through that time. Yeah. So tell me, why did you and your wife decide to become foster parents? Well, you know, like most of the dads that I know, it was my wife's idea. <laughs> and uh, I met her, so I can yeah, see how she. I tell you, she is a whip and ride girl, and she doesn't she doesn't mess around. Uh, but you know, really, when we were dating. Uh, she told me that she wanted to, really? you know, foster and possibly adopt someday. And she just really, it's been in her for a mm-hmm. long, long time. And, uh, and, of course, you know, when we were dating, I was, whatever I needed to say for her to really, you know, stay interested in me, I did. And so I was okay with that and didn't really know what that meant. And, um, you know, like I said, uh, about eight years ago, uh, I guess it was, she began to kind of push the envelope of mm-hmm. feeling like it was time and, and I, I did not feel like it was time. In fact, I was very resistant to it. I actually told her, um, we, we talked for a good long while about it, and I finally just said, stop asking me because we will never do this. Hmm. And, uh, and, so, and so she did. She, was, she honored my request, and she, she, she was amazing. But basically what she did is she went silent, all but prayer. Hmm. And for two years, she prayed for me. And two years later, hmm. I found myself drawn and found myself, my, my heart turning towards, even though... To be perfectly honest with you, Kenneth, I still didn't want to do it. Right. Um, I just, I, I didn't want to. I had an image of what my family was supposed to look like, and foster care was just not part of that. 
uh, but the Lord, you know, just out of obedience, really more than desire, mm-hmm. um, turned my heart, and it was almost like I was going to have to be a pretty selfish jerk to not say yes at that point because they were just really not mm-hmm. the reasons just really weren't there for us not to, and so I so I talked with Rachel about it, and of course, as soon as you kick open the door just a little bit. You know, she's kicking that door wide open, you know, and, and uh, she goes and she's getting us going in the training and everything. And so um, that's really, I guess, how we got into foster care. So it was it was my wife. Yeah. And uh, a couple of years later, I caught up to her. Sure. And so, yeah, but that it's that's what that's what got us into this beautiful mess that we've been in for years now. <laughs> a great way to put it. Yeah. It, is, it is a beautiful mess. So I was just wondering, you know, what really... Was it just the obedience factor in, in your wife, really? You knowing that your wife wanted to go that route? Yeah, I wish that I could say some super spiritual, wonderful, amazing, you know, oh. epiphany of some sort that I got at that point. But it, the, the bottom line is that I, I knew mm-hmm. that in order, if, if I didn't, I would, I would be outside of obedience. I knew that I would be going against, you know, right. what God longed for for our family. And, um, you know, any reason that I had was either Mm -hmm. fear-based or it was just selfish. Mm -hmm. And that's really all there is to it. And so I found myself kind of going, yeah, I will obey. And uh, and out of obedience, then, you know, this story began. And uh, and if I'm going to be really, really vulnerable at this point right now, I hated the first four years of it. That's what I was going to ask you, yeah. I hated it. Yeah. I didn't want to do it. I, I was, you know, however, I guess there's enough probably rebel or hard-headedness in me, whatever. Once we said yes to a batch of kiddos, right. we were going to say yes until that that story or that chapter was, was finished. Yeah. You know, whatever the, the next step for them was going to be. And um, and so, so we would stay the course. But each time I would be okay if that was it. Yeah. Uh, you know, because it was was really, really hard and I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. I didn't like what um, it required of me. I didn't like how many things we had to say no to right. that otherwise we would have been able to say yes to. Right. Um, however, I will tell you that, you know, out of that obedience gave me a front row seat to just watching what otherwise I never would be able to, to have seen firsthand. And that is just, just life. It's, mm-hmm. it's the life transformation that takes place through the application of love and, that unconditional love that we see, you know, poured out through us that we really don't possess the ability to have. Right. You know, it, it's, it's amazing to me. And so, so to see children that can't walk when they come to you, jumping on a trampoline and running by the time they leave your home, right. it's, it's amazing. Even saying that, though, I still didn't want to do it, you know, because it's hard. It is. Yeah. And uh, it, turned, it turned our family upside down. But, you know, it's equipped my daughters. It's equipped um, my son now, you know, as an adoptive son, but now caring for foster kiddos as the, you know, as the, what we call ourselves the super six now. We used to be the fab five. Now we call ourselves the super six. And, uh, and so just caring for, for these children that we're getting to open our home to. Um, it's, it's been amazing. My, my girls at 14 and 11, they're, they're better mamas, you know, than Rachel was at 25 when we first started having, you know, kiddos and and uh, you know it's it's just amazing their ability to enter into the world of other people and 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 give care and compassion and comfort it's it's mind-blowing to me and so um 
would I ever want to repeat those first four years again? No. Right. I mean, still to this day, I, I'd be just fine for that mm-hmm. to not have to do it or to not get to do it, whatever way you want to look at it. But the fact is, is that it, it was right. Yeah. And, uh, and I, my wife will tell you that there was a season during there that was really, really challenging for us. Mm-hmm. And the season, uh, more than just on me, because the way I was, I was articulating to Rachel my dissatisfaction with being a foster family was I would tell her things like, I don't like my life, mm-hmm. but I know it's right. Yeah. And she's, you know, you know what she's hearing, you know, you right. caused all this in our home and <laughs> it's all your fault. And, and I didn't mean it that way. I really genuinely meant this is hard and I would choose anything else right now than this. But I know that this is what I must choose, and so I will keep choosing it because I know it's right. Yeah. And so it really was obedience more than desire or any compelling just emotion inside of me. I've been through several seasons of compassion fatigue along the way. Um, and it just, you know, it's just, it's, it's just been a really, it's been a challenging um, time in our family's life. But it's been the most formative years of the front row seat of, I'm going to sound like a pastor now here, you know, where, where I, you're seeing Jesus die to himself so others can live. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not comparing myself to Christ by any means on that, but, but it gives me a, a small glimpse into right. what it means to really, you know, give up my life so that others can find life. And, uh, and it's, a, it's been a really neat journey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's just so funny. The more I say all that, I hear myself say it out loud. I'm still going, yeah, but I still don't want to do it. You know, I still don't want to, but but here we are, and yeah. and, and and we are doing that. And so, you know, I want yeah. to go back to what you just said. Cause it was very powerful. You know, your preacher thing you just said. Yeah, because it's right on target. I've had so many say, and, and I've had missionaries tell me this mm. that what really catches the attention of people in different cultures is the fact that, that when they see a family take in another child that's not their own flesh and blood mm. and make them family. Mm. And that, there's nothing else really that tells the gospel story as much as that. That's, so that's what I hear you saying. That's exactly right. The, the adoption into sonship is, yeah. there's no better example of that. So what changed for you after those first four years? Uh, you know, that's an, that's an interesting question. I, after those first four years, it, it began to become evident that even though I didn't like every day <laughs> to really get down to it of my life, I didn't really like it. I knew it was right. I didn't like what was going on. Um, I still found myself coming home from work, and and I knew in that moment, you know, Rachel needed me. She needed me to enter in. And I found myself, the kids would, they'd want to go jump on the trampoline. And so I'd find myself in the backyard jump on the trampoline. And I would genuinely be having a good time, yeah. even though... I still would rather have been putting my feet up in the living room or whatever it is, just just selfishly. I would rather be doing that. But I found myself in the backyard and, and we would we would play and it would be it would be laughter. Um, and I knew that laughter was coming from somewhere that was something that was not a man made laughter. I knew that there was a motivator going on inside of me that I was not producing. It was something that was being produced for me. And so I that laughter would happen. And then somehow, some way, even though emotionally, quite frankly, during those years, I was pretty flatlined. Mm-hmm. 
but the children in my home didn't seem to feel that. Hmm. They were feeling compassion from me. They were feeling hugs. Right. Even though I didn't want a hug, I would hug. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to give comfort verbally. I would give comfort verbally. Um, and it really wasn't out of something I was able to produce. It was really something that was being produced within me. Mm-hmm. And so it was in that moment that I recognized, okay, this is, this is what it means when you must die so that you can live. You must, you know, and so it, it's, you know, where, where you're, where you're weak, he is strong and you're, again, I, I can't get outside of, of really the genesis of what this is all about and just the gospel message that is being presented. Um, and, and it became very real to me in that moment. And even, even down to where, what we've done to the least of these we've done unto Christ. And my wife said something to me, uh, probably around this time. I'm not exactly sure what the timeline is. Maybe a little bit before that. And it just rang true in me after those first four years or so. Um, the, um, she, she just said to me, you know, every time I look into these children's eyes, I know I'm looking into the eyes of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and it, it, it struck me. And so I guess things became bigger in that moment. And it's not that anything became more satisfying. Um, and maybe it's just simply that after four years, I had enough stories of reunifications take place and then break down and then see the hand of the Father two years later care for and redeem yet again these children that I guess in that moment, I, 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 yet again, I would have to be a really pretty callous, cold man to not see the goodness of this. Um, but, you know, Kenneth, that's all, it, that's, that's really kind of the, one of the turning points. The other turning point for me was that was about the time my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. So life became very different for us. And, um, you know, we got the discovery of what it really, the difference between living and just drawing breath on this earth changed for us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the story of, you know, your suffering, you know, and you're choosing to crawl up on that cross every day. And then your bride gets diagnosed with breast cancer. And you're thinking, and or I was thinking, man, really? And we were on verge. We really thought we were going to be adopting the three children that were in our home at that time. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden I'm starting to play through what's life look like? if things don't go well here. Mm-hmm. And so you put all that together, there was a turning point for me. And, um, and there's been a freedom that's come on the other side, even though I still trend. Still to this day, my bride can tell you, I mean, two weeks ago, I'm dropping and complaining about this to her, you know? And, and I still trend towards, I don't want to do it. It's, it's, it's hard. I would much rather just go and do what I want to do, the way I want to do it, when I want to do it. Right. You know, because my children are now at the age 13 and 11, I, I should be able to have a little bit more freedom, right? Right. Well, you know, there's different plans, you know, from my home. And so that, that's, that really, you know, um, you know, yeah, the selfishness still trends that way. But um, that would be, I guess, the, the turning point for me really was it all kind of came together all at one time, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, the way the Lord works yeah. uh, in that of just showing us the big picture um, and so that since then, you know, life has been captured at a different level. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and of course, you know, the day my bride, uh, so we, we took a, a short break um, in between her um, treatments and radiation and surgeries. Um, we took a short break uh, after that bunch because they were reunified with mom. And uh, 
And so after that, you know, the day she finished radiation, we got a call um, for uh, another batch of kiddos. And, and she said, let's do it. <laughs> and yet again, there I was. Okay, this is obedience more than desire, but let's go. And so we did. And it's been, yeah, uh, it's been a different, it's been, these last two years have been different. Um, because we got a call for our son that day. And, uh, and, 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 you know, my love for him, it's blown me away, my ability to learn to love him. Because we didn't even like him when he came into our home. Because he was, he was really hard. And he was mean. And he was, you know, it was not pretty. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, man, I love that little turkey <laughs> like crazy today. And so that's been probably... Yeah. What changed things? You put all that together, there's your change, oh, yeah. if you will. You know, So it's not one thing. It's not some just aha moment. It just, it's a series of them. Yeah. It's really good. You know, I have no doubt that if anybody's listening, it's kind of like on the fence. You know, they're like going, oh, man, I don't want part of that at all. Uh-huh. But you know, one, you know our, our mutual friend, Jason Johnson, I've heard him talk about how in adoption and foster care was never part of God's plan. No. Right. I mean, it's, it's brokenness. That's right. And so you're taking children that are coming out of brokenness, putting them in our families, and it's going to be hard. Yeah. We're going to encounter all kinds of difficult things. And then our own brokenness kind of comes yep. to the surface. And I appreciate you vulnerably sharing, you know, because for the one, for especially the guys that are listening, uh, I bet you the majority have had those same feelings. Mm. I know I have. Yeah. You know? And so that's, it's important that we're able to, to say those things. Here yeah. or others say those, so I pretty appreciate doing that. Um, so let's kind of take a little turn and, and talk specifically to the dads that are listening. Um, what do you see, or what do you think, because, and I'm asking you not only for yourself, but you, you guys, both you and your wife, mm-hmm. Rachel, lead some, some groups where you all get together. You get together yeah. with men, right? Rachel yes. gets together with, with you know, other moms. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can draw from experiences that you see the guys you meet with, but what do you what do you see as the biggest challenges or hurdles that men have, adoptive or foster dads? Yeah, well, probably the easiest way for me to answer that question, or maybe the most productive way for me to answer that question, is um, you know there's so many things, there's so many fears that are associated with that men don't really like to talk about. Um, at least the men that I'm around don't like to, um, even though we do, we make ourselves, you know. Um, but it's there's one thing that foster care will do, and I, I, um, sometimes I laugh about this, and sometimes it makes me mad, and sometimes it does everything, uh, everything in between. Um, but that is, is that foster care, a, a child who comes into your home will exploit every weakness you have. And if there's a button to be pushed, it's going to get pushed. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, for me, anger can rear its ugly head very quickly, much quicker than I'd like for it to. And so that's one of those things that, you know, um, it, it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's one of those things that whenever, you, whenever I think of foster care, um, you know, and I think of my own ugliness mm-hmm. um, showing up, and not to mention how I'm going to respond, you know, because as men, you know, as protector of our home, as whatever, and your wife is getting treated a certain way, right. and you you cannot respond the way you naturally would respond in defense. Um, and so you got to navigate around that. It's really the wrestling match of, do I want that? Yep. And so, you know, that's a, it, 
none of us want to admit our weaknesses. None of us want to talk about our weaknesses. And foster care only exploits those weaknesses. And so is that the most challenging thing? Probably. Yeah. You know, I mean, for, at least for me, yeah. that's one of the most challenging things. And, mm-hmm. and not to mention, then, then there's that whole side of, you know, I mean, uh, for people who call on the name of Christ as Savior, you know, you've got this inherent guilt factor that's associated with it as well that, you know, I mean, and for you to say no, it's almost like you're a jerk, you know, and and, and your, your bride's coming to you and saying, you know, you know those, those that their brides are drawn to this that come to you and say, you know, I think we need to do this and... Who do you have to be to say no to that? You know, it kind of takes you to a tough place. And so, right. yet again, that's a weakness that gets exploited. And, you know, there's all these things like that. But that, to me, that's one of the hardest things mm-hmm. for me is the fact that if there's a weakness in my marriage, mm-hmm. it's going to get brought to the surface. Oh, yes. If there's a weakness in my parenting, right. it's going to get brought to the surface. And if there's a weakness in my anger, my humility, mm-hmm. my whatever it is, it's gonna get it's it's gonna get exploited, mm-hmm. and and then over and over and over again until that rough edge gets smoothed out, and and so that's really really hard. But we're called a hard thing. I mean, I, know. I mean, men, most of us want a challenge. This is a big challenge. Yeah, but, um, we embrace it. You know? Yeah, sure. But you know, I mean, if you if there's a weakness in your emotional capacity, yeah. in being able to care, you know, it's right. it's hard. It is, hard. you know. But you know. Yet again, just like you said, you know, I mean, we're called to hard things. Mm-hmm. You know, we're called to strap ourselves to that cross and lay our lives down for others. Yeah. We're called to do that. And so when we get the privilege of doing that, and it is a privilege to get to, mm-hmm. um, we're going to see freedom come at an, at an amazing level. You know, I mean, the, the slave to righteousness is a true statement, mm-hmm. you know, where when you, when you enslave yourself and you tether yourself you know, to what is right and what is good, it doesn't mean happily ever after. Oftentimes it means you're about to go through a really intense fire. Mm-hmm. But we know that on the other side of that, there's a maturity and a completeness, and we mm-hmm. know that there is there is freedom on the other side, you know, that, that, that comes. And so while those marriage, you know, weaknesses may be exploited, it gives you the opportunity to have to address them. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it'll crush you, you know, and you have to address your anger issues. Otherwise... You know, it not only, you know, calls into question the children that are in your home, it will call into question your biological children. Mm-hmm. It'll call into question your, I mean, all kinds of freedoms we currently possess. Yeah. And so you must address those things, and that's mm-hmm. only for our good that we get to address those things. So that leads me to one one last thing I wanted to touch on. Of course, our, our wives do a lot better job of getting together and supporting right. each other and encouraging each other. We tend to isolate, right? We tend to kind of... We face all those struggles that you're, you're, you're talking about. We don't want to admit that it's a struggle. Yeah. You're doing a good job, I think, of getting mm-hmm. some men together and y'all are encouraging each other. How, how are you doing that? And what is, what is some of the benefit you're, you're seeing from that? You want to yeah. touch on that for a little bit? You bet. You bet. And you, you've hit the nail on the head, Kenneth, in that, you know, men, we tend to like to think of ourselves as pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. You know, we don't need help. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't need anything called support. Yeah. I got this thing. You yeah. know, that's for weak people. And that's sure. all of that kind of thing. And, and, and you're exactly right. And, um, and that's why, you know, I mean, Rachel and I, uh, a couple of years ago, we got the privilege of starting a group you know, called Unshaken, mm-hmm. uh, which is um, a foster and adoptive group of dads and moms. 
and once a month I get together with these dads, um, and Rachel gets together with the moms, and uh, and we get the privilege of sitting down and talking through, you know, these challenges. And um, uh, the dads group is significantly smaller than the moms group naturally. Uh, a lot easier to, to gather the mamas than it is the daddies. But you know, some of the things that we do um, in order to to bring to the surface and really to to find community in the midst of this is is, is just simply um, we we started as really just a grassroots kind of thing. We're going to have a gathering, and whatever dads want to show up, we're not going to waste anybody's time, you know. Um, and we're going to we're going to be together, and every month we'll be at this spot until it becomes a, pe- a waste of people's time. And if it doesn't ever become that, then we'll keep meeting. If it does become that, then we'll stop meeting. We'll, we'll say, hey, we tried. And, and, you know, it was just something that didn't, didn't take. Well, it's taken. And, uh, and we've, we've got several dads um, who get together every month, and we get the privilege of talking through and do some training with each other. And, you know, it's really nice to sit across the table. And we don't, we don't call it a support group because mm-hmm. that would scare everybody off. <laughs> you know, but, but we just we get together and, and we get a chance to encourage one another. And we share stories um, about what's going on just current day. We eat good barbecue, and uh, we just we enjoy some some dad time where you don't have to say a single word, and you know that everybody around the table knows what's going on. You know they may not know the details of what's happening in your home, but they get it. And so um, it's nice to have a group of dads like that that we get together with that. Um, and at the end of the night, we get two training hours for our foster stuff, and so mm-hmm. that helps out. You know, that's some motivation, uh, so that we can we can we can make sure we've got our hours lined out every year. Right. Uh, so that helps. But yeah, so that um, so that network is is a really good resource. You've mentioned Jason Johnson um, and his blog has been something that we've used mm-hmm. regularly. You know, right. in our trainings and just to go through some of the things there, um, that's been really good. Fostering Hope Austin is a fantastic uh, network of churches in the Austin area uh, that we love to be a part of, mm-hmm. and uh, and so you know those are those are just a few of the resources that have been really good, really helpful, you yeah. know, for the dads in this area. So it's not just you guys getting together and kind of venting, but you are pulling in those kind of resources. Which we do is good. Yeah. yeah, we take the first hour mm-hmm. uh, and we do a training where we'll bring somebody in from the outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm so sorry. We take the first hour and we eat. I'm so I don't know. Oh, why. Yeah. I said we train first. <laughs> we don't train first. We eat. We eat good food and we there catch up with each other during yeah. that hour. And it's real specific to just kind of what's going on in homes. Yeah. Uh, but then the second hour is when we bring somebody in and we do a, a, a formal training uh, that'll that you know, and it's everything you know, uh, you know, from you know what to do to play, mm-hmm. you know, kind mm-hmm. of things. Uh, everything to you know, discovering signs of abuse and. All those types of things that we need to be up on uh, as dads and, uh, and everything. So you know, we we try to cover the spectrum. It's not all serious, right? Uh, we right. keep it we keep it pretty light sometimes, but we also uh, there's time and a place for those serious conversations. Danny, I, I really appreciate just how you're sharing. Just hey, this is how it is yeah. for me, at least, you know, for you. At least. Yeah, for me. And uh, but I would imagine I think it helps. I know it helps me to hear another dad yeah. saying, "Hey, this is this is reality, and this is." 
how things are at times and yeah. this is how I feel. That in and of itself in an odd way is encouragement. Believe it or not, it's even encouragement to me to say it out loud to you. There's a lot of healing in that that takes place. Are you okay if um, point some people towards what you guys are doing? Unshaken Moms at this point right now is nationwide. Okay. Um, And so there's a nationwide Facebook group called Unshaken Moms. Cool. And uh, in order to to be in there, you'll request permission to be a part of the group. uh, And then one of the administrators will, will get with you and just make sure that everything's good. And so... Um, but it's it, they, they do restrict it to foster and or adoptive moms. Sure. Uh, and it's every all, all the spectrum, international, domestic, you know, everything uh, in between and all that kind of good stuff, whether it's through foster care, whether it's through whatever, private adoption, any of those things. And so the Unshaken Moms, they're much more organized socially uh, than us dads. <laughs> they definitely have the Facebook page and all that, and it is a well-oiled machine on there. It's very, very good. Yeah. Uh, us dads, we meet uh, at Pokey Joe's Barbecue uh, on the fourth Tuesday of every month at 6, 6.30 p.m. And uh, we meet there 6.30 to 8.30. But anybody is welcome at any time to email me, uh, Danny Cook 5742 at yahoo.com and uh, and I'd love to get back uh, with you uh, on uh, Unshaken Dads and to talk about you know how they can get plugged into the group and and, uh, and of course we get the privilege of servicing you know just south of Waco mm-hmm. uh, to North Austin right and uh, and and then over to Cedar Park and then to Taylor is kind of the footprint that we that we we cover as far as Unshaken Dads goes and so it's a good footprint. We've got guys that come from all over, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a it's a neat time together with some really great dads that chose to say yes when it's so easy to say no. Right. So, yeah. That's a good place to leave it. And again, thank you so much. Hey, it's my pleasure, Ken. Thank you. I don't know about you, but I love it when somebody is willing to tell it like it is and not be afraid to kind of pull back the, the curtains a little bit and share very uh, much from their heart. And I appreciate Danny doing that in this interview. If you didn't catch um, how you can get in touch with him, you can go to my website at kennethacamp.com slash episode 28. And in the show notes, I have his, um, you know, the Facebook page that he talked about of his wife, uh, the Unshaken group, and also his email address. And also he mentioned in there, um, Jason Johnson, who's a great resource, so the, his link to his website has some great teaching about fostering and adopting, and then also Fostering Hope Austin has a great website as well with resources there. So all that you can find, again, on my website, kennethacamp.com slash episode 28. Looking forward to getting back with you next time here on His Hands, His Feet.